God is good all the time. Wonderful to see you all this morning. Blessings and greetings to our CM campus and our Scott campus. The Sermon on the Mount was about over. Jesus delivered it to his disciples while he sat on a mountainside in Galilee, overlooking the lake as the crowds were gathering below. Everything in this body of work is contrarian. Everything is radical. Everything is countercultural. Everything. This is a clear juxtaposition between the kingdom of heaven and the values of this kingdom and the kingdoms of this earth and the values of those kingdoms. Jesus opened by saying that when we are most aware of our need for God, we are most blessed regardless of the difficulty of our circumstances. He then shared a vision of us being salt and light in the world. And then he said about to demonstrate what it would require to be just that. Jesus offered teachings on law and anger and adultery, divorce, vows, revenge, loving your enemies, giving offerings, prayer, fasting. And he did it all for one purpose, to establish that religion cannot save you. Religion cannot save you. Only Jesus can. He then communicated, we'll never be free from fear and worry until we break the grip of material things. And he established that we can afford to follow him. If Jesus calls, we can afford to follow him. If Jesus pings, we can afford to follow him. Sermon on the Mount is now essentially delivered. And Jesus feels that the disciples are ready to re-examine more familiar aspects of Jewish teaching in light of these new understandings. Today's message contains three mandates, a metaphor, and a measure. Let's begin with the three mandates. Number one, say it with me, don't judge others. Verse 1 and 2, don't judge others and you won't be judged. Whatever criteria you use to judge others will be the same criteria used to judge you. Hebrew word, Greek word, translated judge, used 125 times in the Bible. It has a legal connotation to it. And it literally means that you have the authority, you have the power you have the credentials to judiciously decide things. You see, anyone can have an opinion and any old fool can criticize, but you have to be legally empowered to be a judge. I mean, a regular person may think someone needs to go to jail, but a judge can send somebody to jail. In Jesus' Galilee, storm clouds of a nationalistic revolution were gathering in the skies. And judgments radiating at high frequencies were flashing like lightning in the clouds everywhere. I mean, they're only 30 years out, 35 years out from a rebellion against the Roman Empire. There is turmoil going on. 
People are radiating at high frequencies. What is true? What is false? Who's in? Who's out? Who can be trusted? Who cannot? Who are the patriots? Who are the sellouts? Jesus warned us to be cautious about casting judgment on others. Because what you throw out there tends to come back at you. No good comes of it. I was thinking back when I used to play copious amounts of softball, we had an incredibly good pitcher on our team that had this wonderful way of odd deliveries and getting under the skin of the opposition. Every now and then our pitcher would kind of get hit and they would bring me in as a relief pitcher. And I threw completely traditionally. I was always in a good mood and didn't get under anybody's skin, but I didn't throw strikes. And what happened was the opposition would be so used to the other pitcher and they were so excited to see me, they would swing at bad pitches. And I had more success than you could possibly imagine, infinitely more than I deserved. But every now and then I would accidentally throw one over the middle of the plate. And some 30 year old with biceps like this would be right there. And I thought that thing is gonna come right back at me. And I might be throwing it in at 15 miles an hour, but I got a feeling it's gonna be coming at me a whole lot harder. And boy, some of them did. That's what Jesus is saying about how we treat others. What, what you throw out there, even if you lob it out there, man, that stuff tends to come back at you hard. You see, when I judge you, it destroys me. And when you judge me, it destroys you. So, so what's Jesus' solution? Realize that Jesus is the judge. Get out of his way. And understand Jesus works alone. I'm sometimes asked if I think a certain person went to heaven. I, I have no idea why I get asked that, but I do. With some regularity. Do I think a certain person went to heaven? And I respond every single time, only Jesus knows that. That is above my security clearance. All I can do is proclaim the truth to the best of my understanding. But when it all shakes down... I have to realize Jesus is the judge and not me. How do we move beyond our tendency to judge others? How do we move beyond that? Number two, we pray persistently. We pray persistently. Seven and eight, keep on asking and you'll be given what you pray for. Keep on looking and you'll find, keep knocking and the door will be open. I need you to be I need to lean in right now because this is really important stuff. This is not saying pray until we change God. It is not saying pray until God sees things your way. It's saying to pray until God changes us. Jesus taught us in this sermon that there are some things for which it is always appropriate to pray. Prayers for the coming of the kingdom, for forgiveness of sin, for daily provisions of necessities, for deliverance from evil. Those prayers are always in order. Jesus is teaching us to pray that God would deliver us from the temptation of thinking that we are 
the judge of one another. And he says, for this, you need to pray persistently. Because in a fallen world, we all lean toward being judgmental. We're pretty easy on ourselves, but boy, are we hard on everybody else. A judgmental spirit is demonic kudzu. And if we don't keep it at bay, it'll choke the Christian love right out of us. So I'm going to say it boldly, clearly, and unambiguously. A judgmental spirit is a soul cancer, and it'll kill you. It'll kill you. Without the purification process of the Sermon on the Mount and persistent prayer, it is a disease we do not stand a chance against. How long has it been since you've asked God to deliver you from a judgmental or a critical spirit? How's that for a great question? Have you ever prayed that? Here, God, deliver me from a judgmental spirit. It's killing me. It's killing my relationships. It's killing the people around me. And it's killing my relationship with you. Deliver me from a judgmental spirit. Deliver me from a critical spirit. Maybe it's time that this petition found its way into all of our prayers. And I can assure you it's a prayer God always wants to answer. And it's only when we stop judging others that we, number three, say it with me, treat people really well. Verse 12, treat others like you want to be treated. The golden rule may be the most famous thing Jesus ever said. Many theologians consider it to be the capstone of the entire Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is instructing his disciples, us, to employ a consistent strategy of preemptive good. I'm going to say that one more time. He is teaching us to employ a persistent strategy of preemptive good. He challenged his disciples to treat people not as they are treated, but in the precise ways they hope that other people will treat them. It's golden. It's the golden rule. This thought is a paradigm shift from religious, from religious duty to Christian empathy. Jesus is restating the moral imperative from what I am obliged to do to what I would hope others would do. I'm going to treat you and I'm going to treat everyone as I would hope you would treat me. As I would hope everyone would treat me. And the implications are absolutely radical. If you want help later, offer help now. If you want to be loved, love. If you want to be respected, show some respect. If you want to be healed, offer healing. If you want to experience empathy, show some empathy. If you want to be forgiven, forgive others. That's the Jesus thing. And now he's going to give us a metaphor. The kingdom of heaven is accessed via a narrow road. Verse 13. The highway to hell is wide, but only a few find the narrow road to life. The idea is not to be religious or good or fair or respectable or ethical 
or moral. Though all these things are good, they will not make you right with God. Only a heart that has been fully transformed by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ will land you on the path that leads to life. I'm going to use some old language here, but the bottom line is Jesus is saying you don't need to try to do better. You need to get saved. You need to get saved. You need to give Jesus access to your life. Stop trying so hard. It's a loser's play. Open your heart to Christ and be transformed. And then Jesus offers a measure. How can we tell how we're doing? This is a way to measure the content of our lives. And the question is pretty simple. What's in your basket? Verse 17, a healthy tree produces good fruit and an unhealthy tree produces bad fruit. Melissa and I live in the woods. I, I'm not a big tree guy. Is there anybody that can like identify all kinds of trees and you're really good at that? All right, nobody. All right, so at least I don't feel that I am by myself on this one. I can, however, tell what kind of tree it is if it produces something recognizable to me, right? You know, if it's an apple tree and there's an apple on it, I'm all over that. And Jesus is really saying, being able to tell where you are with God is really that easy. Just kind of look at your branches and see what kind of fruit you're producing. What are you producing? Fruit was a staple of the Jewish diet. Good trees produce good fruit. That was the whole idea. Didn't really matter how good a tree looked or how bad a tree looked. If it produced good fruit, it was a good, healthy tree. Jesus is saying if our proverbial baskets are full of judgment and prejudice, criticism and slander, gossip, selfishness, mean-spirited religion, and delusionary self-righteousness, that's the fruit you're producing. That's what an unhealthy tree produces. That's what an unhealthy life produces. If that's what you got in front of you, you can say, I have an unhealthy tree. And Jesus was always frank with people. He, he, he always just put it out there. I've said this throughout the series, but I, I feel like I need to keep emphasizing it. They didn't hang Jesus on a cross because he gets us. They hung him on a cross because he got under their skin. They hung him on a cross because he just wouldn't let things go. And part of what Jesus did is he holds a mirror up to every single one of us and he makes us look honestly at ourselves. Sometimes when I speak places or do things, people will ask me for a, a photograph. And I always make sure I don't send them too good a one. Right? I mean, I don't send them one of these filtered photographs where I look like Brad Pitt. I don't send those. Because I don't want them to be disappointed when they actually see me. And Jesus is always saying, take the filters off. Take the filters off. I'm going to show you who you truly are. And then you deal with that reality. And sometimes it hurts to see who we truly are. I always say that we're all full of something and we all leak. And sometimes stuff comes out of us and we think, where did that come from? 
came from that basket of unhealthy things that's inside of us. And we've all got some of that. There's no judgmental spirit here at all. It's just, it's what is in us. It's what's in front of us. It's what Jesus wants us to deal with. So, let me just ask a question. Do you have a judgmental spirit? Do you have a critical spirit? Are you quick to criticize? Are you slow to give others the benefit of the doubt? Are you 100% absolutely sure you are right all of the time? Are you quick to speak and slow to pray? Are you honestly unconcerned about who might be hurt about your callous attitude? Are you quick to judge? Are you slow to forgive? Are you completely blind to your own shortcomings and faults? You say, well, I'm not really sure. Then ask somebody who knows you. Ask somebody that knows you. Ask somebody who loves you enough to be honest with you. Did you know some of the best gifts God gives us in life are people who love us enough to be honest with us? You know, I'm in a position... You're, my position, I'm going to get criticized all the time. That, that's just part of it. And I've got a real simple rule. I will never receive criticism from somebody I would not receive advice from. And I'm just going to offer that to you. If you wouldn't trust somebody enough to give you advice, why would you trust them enough to offer you criticism? But I do have people in my life who truly love me. And they'll speak the truth to me sometimes. And sometimes it's not what I want to hear. Sometimes it hurts my ears. But if somebody loves me, I know that what they're speaking is for my good, not for my harm. And what Jesus does here is he speaks for our good, not for our harm. And Jesus says, I need you to get honest about who you are. I need to get honest about where you are. I need you to be honest with yourself. And it's only from that place that we can emerge And grow as righteous people. One way we treat others well and fill our basket with good things is by investing into the ministry of Jesus through the lives of others. We do not do good things to be made right with God. We ask forgiveness of our sin and we ask Jesus to come into our lives to be made right with God. But doing good things in the name of Christ are evidence of a life that is right with God. One of the true ways that we can begin shifting the trajectory of our life is investing in ministry. Investing in the lives of others. So what I want to do to close this, to kind of land this particular message is is I want to offer help. I want to give you an opportunity to help, and I want to ask for your help. How's that? So let's begin with offer help. Holidays are soon approaching. And some in our faith community may be experiencing financial need. I have a bank app, and I will look and see, you know, what's going on in our bank account. And every now and then I will see that Melissa went to a grocery store. 
and I look at the amount of money that it costs. And I think, sweetheart, I thought you were just going for groceries. I didn't realize you bought the store. (laughs) Stuff costs a whole lot more right now than it used to. Anybody that goes to the store knows that. And we may have some in our faith community who are being pinched by that. Groceries are astronomical these days. And a Thanksgiving dinner can be daunting for some families. Your church family wants to help. We just want to help. So for those of you who are here today, if you drop by Reverend Carmen's office, immediately after the close of this service, go straight through the coffee cafe, take a left, take a right, you'll be in the office area. Find Reverend Carmen's office on the left-hand wall. If you drop by her office at the close of this service, we would be honored to give you a $100 grocery card on behalf of your church family. Just because we can't do everything doesn't mean that we can't do something. And we can help a little bit if you're pinched here at Thanksgiving. We also have something called the Network of Caring here. It financially helps people who attend this church in times of temporary financial crises. Now, we can't do everything, and and there are limits to what we can do and how many times we can help a certain individual, but we often can do something. We can help, but we can't if you don't let us know what the need is. I want you to know that if you're a part of Christ's church and you're going through a tough time right now, you're not alone. You, you have a church family. You've got people who love and care about you. You've got a community. You've got a family here. Jesus walks with you. And so do we. Secondly, I want to give you an opportunity to help. We're doing a one-day coat drive next Sunday. One day. Here's how it's going to work. When you come to church next Sunday, look in your closet. And if you've got a coat that you haven't worn in a, in a couple of years, it's good and clean. Bring it to church with you next Sunday and we're going to collect coats. Here's the deal. Most of us have several coats. And you can only wear one at, at a time. And there are a lot of people today who don't have a coat. And we were talking with the schools. And there are a lot of children who don't have coats. So we are going to take these coats, and the vast majority of them are going to end up in local schools for kids who need to be warm this winter. And so next Sunday, we're just going to ask you to bring a coat with you. Drop it off. And we will make sure it ends up somewhere. One day, we don't have a place to store coats. We need them to come in. We need them to go out. Next Sunday, it's an opportunity to help. Secondly, just outside the sanctuary this morning, here and at our campuses, we have any number of opportunities for you to volunteer in ministry here. We would love to see you take that step. 
You say, well, how do I know where to volunteer? I can tell you this. Ministry is most often formed in response to what breaks our heart or what warms our heart. So if it breaks your heart that so many children today are growing up in a world that is dangerous, and it breaks your heart that kids really need Jesus, then get involved in children's ministry. Respond to what breaks your heart. If it breaks your heart that, that people are going hungry, get involved in a ministry that helps food, feed people. And then what warms your heart? If what you love about Christ Church is how friendly we are, join our welcome team. What warms your heart? What breaks your heart? If it breaks your heart that times are so dangerous now, that we have to have security here all of the time, but you feel a call to serve and protect. Respond to that. There's a place that you can sign up. Some of these areas, they can put you on a rotation really quickly. Incidentally, those of you who came from smaller churches, just because you volunteer for something here doesn't mean you have to be here every single Sunday until you die or Jesus returns. I, I want you to know that, okay? We rotate, you sign up, you let people know. So there is some flexibility there. We've got a lot of people that are gone for part of the year, but they volunteer very actively when they're here. So you can choose those things. But I just want to invite you to, to sign up. We might be able to put you to work next week in some areas. In other areas, there's a process. If you want to be on security or you want to work with children or students, we're going to have to do a background check on you because it is imperative to us that we keep everybody safe here. So it may take a little while, but I'm just saying get it started. Get it started. Step up today. And there will be some people manning those tables here and at our other campuses. I invite you to lean in to that. It is an opportunity to help. Some areas, like volunteering in worship, may require you to get some extra training on cameras or AV equipment. If, if you've got some musical talent, it may require an audition. It will require an audition. But I'm just telling you, you never know until you ask. So ask. Sign up. Get the ball rolling. Get in the game. Get off the sidelines. Get in the game. That's what we want to offer today. And then finally, we're asking for your help. Those of us who have made this their church home will be bringing our two-year extra mile capital campaign commitments to church with us next Sunday. If you're on our mailing list, you've already gotten one in the mail. If not, you can stop by the Sync Center and you can get a card. Your additional giving will go exclusively toward financing our 2024 infrastructure and renovation project in this space, in this sanctuary. It will also be upgrades that will significantly improve what we do online and what we send out to our campuses. This affects everyone within the sound of my voice, no matter where you may be in the world. Ask God what you should do. Listen for the ping. Respond to the ping. That's it. That's it. We've got one last thing that we're doing here. After every service between now and Christmas, if you would like special prayer, we're going to have some folks at both sides of the sanctuary and in the balcony 
who would love to pray with you. They would love nothing more than to pray with you. We've offered prayer for years, and I was increasingly getting feedback that some people weren't comfortable just getting up in front of everybody. And you know what? I get that. So when church is concluded every week between now and Christmas, if you would like to have a human being who believes in God and believes in the power of prayer to pray with you, they will be available here. Jesus said, treat others the way you want to be treated. As a church that has disaffiliated from a denomination, that has reestablished our narrative and ourselves as Christ church, we have the opportunity to proclaim just what kind of church are we. We're a church that is going to offer help. We're a church that's going to give people an opportunity to help. And we're a church that when God asks us to, we are going to unite together and sacrifice so that God can use people like you and me to accomplish great things for the future. And we'll do all these things without apology. God is so incredibly good. And I'm so incredibly grateful for each of you. Would you pray with me? Great and mighty God, on this day that we celebrate, recognize, and honor our veterans, on this day where we continue to listen to the words of Yeshua Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, on this day, dear God, we thank you for the call. We thank you for Jesus who said, treat people the way you want to be treated. We thank you for the Jesus that said, stop judging others and take a look into your own basket. We thank you for the words of Jesus who remind us over and over, religion can not save us, but Jesus can. And so dear God, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, I just ask that you would open up their hearts, that they might say, dear God, I love you. I thank you for loving me. Jesus, I repent of my sin and I ask you to come into my life. Make me a Christian and fill me with your love. Thank you, dear God, for what you've done in this church. Thank you for what you're doing and thank you for the incredible things you're getting ready to do. In Jesus' strong name and all God's people said, amen. Would you stand as we worship together?